you are listening to the Fairy Pod Mothers. I'm Stephanie, and I'm joined by Rachel and Amber. Um, how were your Christmases, ladies? Hey, it was pretty good. So my son got a hoverboard, and I was trying oh. to show off um, a little <laughs> too much, and totally wiped out on our hard- hardwood floors. Oh um, my god! So I'm still <laughs> recovering. That was are yesterday. you bruised? Bruise. There's no visible bruise. Um, it's just really sore. So. <laughs> I'm in my comfy chair recording tonight. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, ours is pretty good. We had a white Christmas. We had about, I want to say three or four inches of snow. So it was actually really pretty and it felt very Christmassy with the snow. Oh, that's awesome. That what about good. yours, Stephanie? Yeah, we didn't, we didn't get as much. I only live about an hour from Rachel, but we did not get as much snow. Um, but my sister and my niece came up from Florida. We had all been um, quarantining as you know best as we could before they came up so we could see them for a little bit. So it was nice to see my niece. She's growing That's so nice. fast. Um, but yeah, we, it was, it was really good. Um, I got my vaccine for coronavirus on Christmas Eve. So that was, um, probably the best Christmas gift I could have gotten. Um, how about, what about soul? Did anybody watch soul? Uh, my kids have, but I've not watched it yet. Same. I haven't watched it yet either. I've been quarantining from my family because, um, I had a positive COVID test before Christmas. So I had to separate and be in a different room. So they were watching it downstairs and I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> Aww, I haven't watched it yet either. I'm curious. I what heard other good people things, think about so it. I'm excited about it. So um, minor confession, I thought that Onward looked stupid. I was not looking forward to it at the beginning of this year. And um when I was sitting in the middle of the movie theater, which that was the last movie that we actually watched in theaters before the pandemic, but I'm sitting there in the movie theater trying not to embarrass myself with the volume of my sobbing. Like, I don't know why I ever have doubted Pixar. I'll never doubt them again. <laughs> so I, yeah, I'm, I'm almost a little bit nervous for soul. I might save that for when I need a good cry. It's like therapy, yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. So last week we discussed our, we discussed 10 tips and tricks for planning your Disney World vacation. So join us this episode as we discuss our, uh, you know, we'll discuss 10 tips and tricks for getting the most magic out of your times in the parks and resorts. Um, We chose these tips to save you some time, money, and sanity while you're in the parks so that you can enjoy the family and friend time. That's the reason that you booked the trip in the first place. Um, So Rachel, do you want to start with some dining tips? Sure. So this has to do with saving time with your dining. And we recommend that you take advantage of mobile ordering to avoid standing in long lines for your food. And I was using mobile ordering before the pandemic happened, but I would say right now it's even, even more important. Um, you basically will use the app on your phone to place your order. And what we'll do is we will hang out in line, whatever we're waiting for. And I'll go ahead and put in everybody's, you know, food orders. And what's cool about it is you can also customize everything. So you don't have to worry about, you know, communicating at the register to someone who, you know, may not catch everything that you're saying. Um, You know, everything's getting across to the, to the app. 
Um, and then when you are ready to pick up your order, you just hit the place your order button or I'm ready to pick up. I can't remember exactly what it says. Um, and it will submit your order. And then about five or 10 minutes later, you go to the pickup window and you've got your food. So it's pretty handy. I, what do you all think? You, you use it a lot? All the yeah, time. I used it a couple times pre-pandemic also. And um, of course, during the pandemic, it's mandatory at most places. But yeah, I it's really great um, not having to wait in the huge line. Um, I will say during these times right now, they are a lot of places. I don't know if this is every place. They're not actually letting you in the restaurant if you haven't, mm -hmm. if your order is not ready. So yeah. you actually have to That's show true. your phone to the cast member at the door that says your order's ready before they let you in. And that's so that they don't have overcrowding um, in the restaurant. They are reduced capacity in the restaurants. They're sitting at maybe every other table or every third table, and they don't want a whole bunch of people in there. And you know what? I like that a lot too, because then you don't have people just sitting there holding tables forever. Yes. There's actually available tables, whereas in normal times, you know, there will just be people camped out at a table with no food and you're walking around with a huge tray, nowhere to sit. So I think Unless it's, it's raining. I had an experience <laughs> when it was raining at the Magic Kingdom. No one was leaving their table because they were trying to wait for the rain to let up. But mm -hmm. people were coming in because their orders were getting finished. And so there were no available tables. It was so that's one thing. If it's um, raining, be careful. <laughs> So one of sure. the things to be cautious of right now, um, and this happened to us and it was, it, it, we had made a plan and then it completely changed everything, but uh, we were at Hollywood studios and we got on to order from not the Ronto wraps, but the other one. Um, Docking Bay. Yeah. We, we, um, I pulled up Docking Bay and I had just ordered my husband's food from Ronto Roasters and I go to order from Docking Bay and the next available time was about an hour and a half away. So oh. it, it really makes sense right now um, to, you know, you can place your order while you're sitting at breakfast or while you're on the bus on the way to the parks. You can place your order and choose your pickup time then. Um, don't wait until you're hungry um, mm -hmm. unless it's, you know, one that has multiple pickup windows and they can really churn them out fast because you may pull it up hungry and the next pickup time is two hours away. Mm. That's a good tip. All right. So this next one is really just for normal times, but it is worth mentioning because we're going to get back to that. Um, but some ways to same time with the character meet and greets Try to use one of your fast class pluses if this is something that's high on your family's must do list. Um, if you want the extra time and interaction. So there's pretty much two different ways you can meet characters. You can, you know, stand in line or use your fast pass plus in the parks, or you can go to character dining. When you do the ones um, where you stand in line to meet them, you do get a little bit extra time and interaction. They'll sit and have a conversation, or you know, they'll stand and have a conversation with you. Uh, but those lines can get really, really long. And you, I personally don't want to spend my entire day waiting in line to see characters. Um, so for us, we use the character dining because really the goals are to get the picture and the autographs. So it, you know, we don't mind that we're not getting that that big interaction i 
I never know what to say to the characters. My friend goes and she lives for the character meet and greets. And she tells me about all these conversations they have. I'm like, okay, I, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) Um, So are there any character meet and greets that you all think are worth the wait? One of my favorites is Gaston. I love um, bantering with him back and forth because he's always, you know, a woman's place is in the kitchen. What are you doing reading that (laughs) And um, so I'm a language arts teacher. So a couple of times I've taken whatever novel that we happen to read reading in class and I'll like take a picture with Gaston holding the book and then bring it back and show the kids and they get a kick out of that. Um, I've seen a couple of things on Pinterest, like fun things to say to the characters. Um, for example, when you meet Ariel, ask her if she's seen your Dinglehopper, you know, things like that oh. to make it extra fun. <laughs> That's cute. I'll I'll have to look at that next time. Rachel, how about you? Okay, so I know we're talking Disney World, but in Disneyland, you can meet Jack Skellington and Sally, and they were really, really cool. So that's around Halloween time that they have them out and about, and I highly recommend that if you're ever out in California. But um, in Disney World, I like Merida a lot. I think she's really fun. She's kind of sassy, spunky. I like the movie Brave, so I think she's a good one to wait for. I do like the character interactions on Disney Cruise Line. You get a little bit more time, um, even even more than you get in the parks. Um, and they'll do, you know, special times where there'll be multiple characters out. Um, but kind of speaking of that, have either of you ever done the character Palooza at Hollywood Studios, I think? I've never heard of that. I think we've tried. My husband was watching the times. Um, but I don't remember, I don't think we actually did. So that same friend, you know, the, she, like I said, she lives for the meet and greets. They do it every single time they're, um, DVC and AP. So they do it every single time they go. And it's, it'll be a group of characters basically in training. And so you'll sometimes get some characters that you don't normally see, um, mm-hmm. And they're also, uh, it's usually like six or seven characters out at the same time. And it's generally not something that's widely advertised. So that's a good way. If, if, you know, if that's something important to you, that's a good way to try to meet some. And it's up at the front of the park. Um, I think it's over by where the Fantasmic like, exit area is. I think there's a certain blogger that I'm thinking of that publishes the Times... Um, There may be more than one, but you're right. I haven't seen Disney advertisement it is. So I don't know where these bloggers and vloggers get their intel. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Amber, do you want to talk about water? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's a good, it seems like it's a small thing, but when you're having a hot day in the parks, it's really important. You want to stay hydrated, keep your kiddos hydrated and snacks also. So Um, With water, you do not have to buy bottled water to stay hydrated in the parks. You can bring your own. um, You can bring your own food and drink into the park, um, no problems. And you can also go to any quick service location and get uh, water. Now that is kind of inconvenience now with the mobile ordering that we were talking about earlier, because like we said, they will not let you in the restaurant if you don't have a mobile order that's ready for pickup. So you might want to 
maybe while you're there, while you're having lunch with your family, everyone get a water to go just to have it on hand for yeah. the next couple hours. Um, I suggest bring, I just, I suggest bringing um, maybe your own little, um, I don't want to say thermos, but like some kind of cup with a lid and a straw. Um, it's nice if you and your family have the ones that can stack inside of each other. That's one reason I don't love the um, ones that they give you at Disney because the handles make it so that they can't stack. So mm -hmm. if you want to bring your own um, with um, that has a lid and a straw, those are going to be, those will come in handy. I'll add to that. Can I just say that we'll just order cups of ice and then we just add the ice to the water bottles because then it just stays nice and cold, you know, as the parks heat up. So then you ha constantly have just icy water in your thermos too. Nice. Plus the, the, the ice would melt pretty quickly too during the summer. Yeah. So. yeah. Good way to keep it cold. All right. So I'm going to um, move on to starting off your day. Um, Rope drop techniques have definitely changed during the pandemic. Generally, um, I think we would all recommend that you not schedule your first fast pass until about an hour after the park has opened. Get there at rope drop and go straight to the e-ticket. Well, those are like the, the major rides, like the ones that bring the most the ones that usually have the highest wait times at Disney. Uh, but you head straight for that e-ticket ride that you couldn't get a fast pass for or that you didn't schedule for. That's always been our our method for doing it for our family. That's what I recommend to all of my clients. Um, however, during the pandemic right now, what we noticed is that the e-ticket rides had the busiest wait times first thing. So mm -hmm. when we rope dropped last month, we would avoid those popular rides, go on all the others, and then those bigger rides had kind of calmed down. So when we um, rope dropped Epcot, we, you know, beelined straight to Frozen Ever After, and it was at 90 minutes. So we went back and we did, you know, a lot of the Future World rides, and then we came back and Frozen Ever After was only 45. Um, and, and 45 during pandemic times moves really fast. Mm -hmm. um, so that, you know, when you're, if you're planning a trip, for later on down the road um, and you want a rope drop, just remember to book your fast passes a little bit later. You don't really need them for that first hour to hour and a half because not everybody likes to get up early. Um, the rope drop can be crowded um, under normal circumstances. It can get pretty crowded and you, you might be standing there for a while um, because they generally will not let you be on the rope before 9 a.m., 8 a.m., 7, whatever time it is that they're opening. They'll have entertainment out, but usually you can only see that if you're like within the first five rows of people. Um, so be prepared if you have little ones that might be antsy to get into the park. Um, and definitely during pandemic times, and I think to avoid crowds forming, some of the parks are opening before their posted times. Um, but I'm not sure. Do you know, are they letting people on like on rides or just allowing them to line up? Okay, I I've had heard... experience with this. Go ahead. When we went to Hollywood Studios, the posted time that the park was going to open in November was 10. And we got there at nine and people were funneling into the park and we were funneling into the park at that time as well. And we were in line and the line was moving for Minnie and Mickey's Runaway Railway. We rode it by 930. Okay, that's 
So I think they're doing that to try to mitigate some of the weights in the lines just because, you know, there are such popular attractions that they need to get people on. Especially in Hollywood Studios right now. I know. And some other ones we're going to, like Millennium Falcon is going and Slinky Dog is going. So I think, like you said, Stephanie, some of the e-ticket kind of attractions, those were moving earlier than the park actually advertised being open. Did you, did either one of you run into that with your trips in November and maybe the other parks even? I don't think, yeah, we did. I think we did get to Hollywood studios prior to the official, um, park opening time, like you said, and we rode slinky dog first. Um, and I don't know if we got there, like when it was opening or right after but the line moved pretty pretty quickly and we were done with it pretty soon after the park was supposed to be quote unquote open Mm -hmm. yeah i think ours was animal kingdom um we got there pretty early and um everybody everybody was Mm -hmm. headed off to the left and we had had our experience with frozen ever after the day before so we went off to the right and hit up Expedition Everest first and headed over to Pandora later. Um, But that actually goes against my next tip, which is to (laughs) know your park maps. Um, You know, if you've never been, it's not a bad idea to check out Google Earth or um, download the official park maps from Disney's website. Um, Generally, the advice that I give for all except for Animal Kingdom is go left in the morning when, when, you know, after rope drop and the whole crowd is pushing through, go off to the left. So in Magic Kingdom, start in um, Adventureland because, you know, we're kind of conditioned here in the States. Everything's on the right. We drive on the right. We walk on the right side of the um, hallways. So most people do tend to veer right as they enter the park. Going left, you'll be, you know, running into less crowds. Um There are some shortcuts as well um, in the parks that not, they're not always well known. Um, There is a pathway between Pandora and Africa. So you can walk behind um, where the Lion King, the Festival of the Lion King building is, and that will take you over. um, It drops off right by um, the floating mountains and you kind of, you almost cut through the line for Pandora. Right now that is closed because they are using, or it's not closed, but it's only running from Pandora to Africa. You can't go the other way. Um, They're trying to control the line for flight of passage. Um, There is a cut through in Magic Kingdom from Liberty Square to Adventureland. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's kind of like, it's almost like a breezeway. And and so I think that a lot of people don't realize that you can make that cut through. Um, This one's fairly well known, I'm sure, but just, you know, the walking straight from the Emporium to the from Emporium to Casey's, you don't have to exit those buildings. It looks like they're separate buildings, but it's just one long continuous shop. So if there's a parade, um, you know, if the crowds for the parade are forming or it's end of the evening and everybody's standing there watching fireworks, you can cut through the stores. It's also nice and air conditioned if it's the summer. 
That's yeah. key. That's that key. One. <laughs> um, Epcot, there's, you know, seven or eight different pathways and the ones that are farthest left and right. So the pathway over by, I forget what that rest, it used to be a restaurant and now they have that Epcot reimagined or whatever that Epcot showcase is. There's a path over there and then there's one over by um, Journey into the Imagination. And those tend to have less foot traffic than the main one that goes from Future World to World Showcase. Um, and everything's, the- everything's jacked up at Epcot right now anyway with the construction that they're doing and they have different paths blocked off and here you've got to go this way to get to the land go this way to space mountain so it's kind of weird right now at epcot it is very very hard to get around i did see um i did see on a youtube video the other day that they have taken down the ones right at park entrance so they now have the um they have the acrylic pylons back up Hmm. did you guys see the images of that new fountain they're putting at the entrance no no it looks pretty cool i think um chris posted it on the main street page i think i don't she posted it somewhere but check it out i did see um i did see the concept designs for the harmonious barges i'm i have mixed feelings about it because the barge looks gigantic and (laughs) That might be what she posted because it looks like during the day it'll be a fountain and then in the evening they'll use the water almost like World of Color. No, but... this was the front of the park. Okay. Yeah. So what I don't like though is, you know, we like taking the picture from the pagoda at the Japan Pavilion with the ball in the background, you know, with Spaceship Earth in the background. Yeah. It looks like these barges and fountains are going to completely block being able to look across the water so i'm hmm. i'll have to see I, I guess i'll just have to have faith and wait <laughs> well i'm uh, looking at it online amber it looks like kind of like clear almost like a clear trophy <laughs> yeah it you're like, right it kind of does look like um <laughs> like a super bowl trophy or something yeah <laughs> at least it's clear though so then it doesn't like block the view of the park Yeah, and I'm just ready for them to do anything with that area. You know, they had those, you know, the tiny pictures of people that paid for the, whatever, the memories from the the 1980s. And those were taken out not too long ago. I'm just ready for them to do something because Epcot is supposed to have that innovative feel and look to it. And for a long time, that part of the park did not it actually looked pretty retro yeah it definitely looks like futuristic it's kind of like sharp angles and glass and clear I don't know it's it's kind of cool I guess yes so interesting that you said futuristic I'm pretty sure that that was that what that's what was originally there before the um the legacy pillars Hmm. um because it was Tim Tracker's video and he said that they brought the acrylic pylons back Hmm. And he referenced park opening. So that that could be. That's funny that something from the 80s still looks futuristic. (laughs) Um, All right. So Amber, do you want to give us another dining tip? Yeah. So um, if you guys are 
fans of the dining plan and you have credits left over at the end of your trip, your quick service credits can be exchanged for three snack credits. Um, I think Stephanie said that they have to be used at the same location, right? So you can't be like, I wanna use one credit here and then go down the street and use two more credits there. You have to use them all at the same place. Yes. Right? Um, but that's really cool um, because sometimes at the end of a trip you have credits left over. Um, I like to bring things home for, um, to give as gifts to my kids. Um, maybe some like, I, they like the covered Rice Krispie treats with the icing on top, you know, fun stuff like that. What do you guys think? Do you have favorite snacks to bring home? Okay, so like here's what I do with my snack credits. Stephanie, you care if I hop in? No, go ahead. Sorry. Um, I like to save, I know a lot of people like to end their um, trip with Epcot or with uh, Magic Kingdom, but I like to end on Epcot because usually there's a festival going on and you can cash out a lot of your snack credits on the foods from the different kiosks at Epcot. So I'll try to use those up for like lunchtime. And then if there's anything less left over, I like to go to Caramel Cooch and get lots of caramel <laughs> kind of treats like the caramel popcorn or the um, Rice Krispie treats dipped in caramel. You know, there's all kinds of good stuff there you can bring home and they're all snack credits. Yeah, the, um, using them for festivals is a really great use. Um, and we'll generally, you know, you can try all three things that they have there. Um, you know, all three of the offerings or more, you know, if they have more, you can um, do six. Come on. Um, I like to bring home the chocolate covered Rice Krispie treats, the Mickey shaped ones. And... Uh, my kids really like the um, the giant lollipops. Yeah, and also, side note, not necessarily to bring home, but I love the you know, the caramel apples or the chocolate apples that they have. Mm -hmm. I know they have them at the um, Big Top tent, the store, I don't know what it's called, but they have them in there. And during normal times, they will slice the apples for you. So um, you can walk with them easier. You're not getting all messy. Now, I did ask when we were there a couple of months ago, and right now, due to, um, I guess, the COVID precautions that they're taking, they're currently not um, slicing them for some reason, um, but they are at Universal. So when I got a caramel apple at universal they were slicing them but disney they're not <laughs> yeah when they're not sliced it makes it a little difficult so that's a good idea to bring it home then you can handle it yourself yeah <sighs> okay all right well i think my next tip has to do with dining as well and that would be to know how your family eats and decide if the dining plan is worth it for your family and which one makes the most sense so we actually love the dining plan and right now they're not offering it, but typically we will opt for the dining plan. Um, we usually go for the middle level. So there's the quick service level that gives you the two quick service meals each day. There's the middle level that gives you the quick service and the table service credit per day. And then there's the like deluxe one that gives you usually more food than you really ever need. Mm -hmm. um, but we typically enjoy the dining plan and get our money out of it, but I think it also depends on how your family eats. And that's where a travel agent, I think, can really help 
you figure out, you know, does it make sense for you? Will you get your money's worth? Um, it's nice because it does start the day that you check into your resort. So if you want to go somewhere nice on your first night at the on property, you know, you can, um, you can use it for character meals. And a lot of people don't realize this. It's also good for, you know, the restaurants at the resorts. It's not just in the park. So you can really, um, use it at some pretty nice restaurants. So that is one recommendation is just know how your family eats and decide if the dining plan is fiscally worth it to you. Yeah, I think a lot of people make the mistake of thinking of the dining plan as a money saving tool. It's not really a tool to help you save money. It, you might save a little bit of money, but the main goal of it, I think, is just as a, you're, think of it as prepaying so that when you get that check at the end, it's already paid for. Um, I know when we use the dining plan, my husband and I, when we went to Le Cellier, he was like, yes, I will have the most expensive steak on the menu Yes, <laughs> because it's paid for. Um, so it frees you up to um, order maybe some things that you wouldn't order before um, if it was cost prohibitive. Um, and not, it's really nice to you know tell your husband at the end of the meal, oh, this is already paid for. Don't worry about it. You can put your credit card away. That's so like my husband is like the ultimate thrifty. I'll say thrifty. <laughs> it's a nicer word. Um, frugal guy he will order. Yeah. He'll order the most, the least expensive item on the menu, just because he doesn't want to spend the money. But if you get the dining plan, you don't have to worry about that. It's every item is the same price. So you get what you want, you know? Yeah. Um, it is worth noting that tips are not included in that. You do still have to tip the serving staff, please. <laughs> <Sure>. Um, <laughs> um, there, I was when I was uh, work, working on the show notes for today. My husband was watching the Disney food food blog, um, so that actually helped me out quite a bit for this. Um, they have some worksheets where, and I think you have to pay for them, but they're just a couple dollars, and they will return it if you find that it's not useful. But they have some worksheets or pamphlets or something where it, it will help you to decide if your family would benefit from the dining plan or not because you definitely don't want to buy the dining plan and then leave all that money on the table yeah we could do a whole nother show on is the dining plan worth right it for <laughs> right. your family yeah, yeah. <laughs> well so instead why don't we talk about park hopping next all right. So park hopping is a little bit different right now. It just is coming back in January for people to start taking advantage of, advantage of and know that you do need a plan and a backup plan starting in January. So um, what I recommend is, you know, have the park that you're going to go to for the day. Obviously, you'll have it reserved like you are supposed to before you visit the park. Um, maybe don't plan any must do's for your second park because there aren't exactly guarantees that you'll be able to hop there. What will happen is once you are in your park for the day and you're thinking about hopping, you'll be able to log into the My Disney um, Experience, you know, uh, app and look and see which parks are available to hop to. And then you will be able to select that you're going to visit that park for the afternoon or the evening or whatever. Um, granted that there is availability, you know, and capacity for that location. So uh, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll use park hopping to eat at different places without committing, you know, for the entire day, or we'll use it to take advantage of extra magic hours if that's happening. Um, 
I would probably say that, you know, Epcot and Animal Kingdom, you'll likely always be able to hop to. And then, you know, Hollywood Studios is typically like the first to reach capacity followed by Magic Kingdom. So those might be a little bit more challenging in terms of park hopping. You guys want to add anything to that? It's just going to be interesting to see how this comes to play in January when they start allowing hopping again. I have some clients going down closer to the end of the month. And so I'm going to be picking their brains to see exactly how park hopping worked with this new normal. Yeah. And I'm wondering if capacity is changing with regards to park hopping because it seems like they're going to have to have a little wiggle room with that yeah and they are recalling cast members that's been in the news the last mm -hmm. couple days um now i did just find out today about a hack for park hopping that we could have been taking advantage of during this whole pandemic um and so all you have to do to be able to park hop and use fast passes is join club 33 <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> Just a no mere $25,000 buy-in with a $12,000 a year. Uh, a <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's worth it because you get to fast pass and park hop during the pandemic. <laughs> uh, the more you know. Right? <laughs> so yeah, this tip brought to you by the pod mothers. If I was tech savvy enough, I would insert the more you know sound here. Yes. So just sing it to sing it to yourself in the car wherever you're listening. <laughs> All right. So Amber, why don't you um, talk about the tool that is used most often to, to find out, you know, is it worth it to park hop? How do we get over there? What are the fast sure. passes like? So your best friend on your Disney vacation will be my Disney experience. Um, you can sign up. I, I find it easier to sign up on the website, but they also have the mobile app, of course, that you'll be using while you're in the park. Uh, My Disney Experience is where you do your mobile ordering for your food, check in for your hotel, um, make your reservations um, for table service, for your fast passes, when fast passes finally return. It even has all of the current wait times. Sometimes I, I bet you guys do this too. Do you ever like sit at home and you're wondering, hmm, I wonder how long the wait is for Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. <laughs> and you pull it up in Ohio. Yeah, we do that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh yeah. So my Disney experience is your BFF for planning a Disney vacation. Um, one tip that I always tell my clients is to screenshot your My Disney Experience plans so that you're not repeatedly opening the app all day because that can drain your battery. And it's just quick to have it at your fingertips and your photos instead of having to log in my Disney experience every time. Any got anything to add on top of that for my Disney experience? Just make sure um, I found this out the hard way. It's mydisneyexperience.com. I was giving somebody the link using talk to text on my phone and I didn't proofread what I had sent. And she said, there's nowhere to sign up. And I had accidentally sent her to disneyexperience.com. And I really want to know what went down here because that website was started in 1999, long before my Disney experience. Hmm. And I wonder if hmm. Disney, I wonder what kind of legal battles happened there. But yeah, so it's my Disney experience if you're having trouble finding it. 
Hey, the only thing I'll add on for the My Disney is I would, what we always do is we delete it off of our phones and then re-download it before we go to the parks for a trip because there are updates or sometimes like glitches. You know, I always think it's a good idea just to delete it and then reinstall it on your phone before you go. So you have the most up-to-date version and then it's working pretty well. What's the difference between deleting it and reinstalling it and just doing the update? I don't know. I've just found sometimes when we don't do that, it gets glitchy in the parks and I seem to have good luck. Maybe it's just luck, but Mm -hmm. I think, or just updating it, maybe not deleting it, but updating it. Because if you try to run a version that's older, I think you're going to have more problems with it. Oh yeah, definitely. Were you about to say something, Stephanie? I was just going to say, Amber, do you want to take the last tip? Yeah, so I just had a couple things to add on. Um, So we want, even though we talk a lot about planning, fast passes, meals, we also, um, one of my biggest tips for clients is to leave rooms for spontaneity. Don't feel like you have to plan every minute of your trip. I have seen these moms with their crazy spreadsheets and they have their restroom breaks planned out on an Excel sheet. And I'm like... (laughs) Girlfriend, that is too much because you're going to stress everyone out. You're going to stress out your husband, your kids, yourself. And a lot of times the magic is of Disney is found in those unplanned moments. When you, you know, stop to enjoy a Mickey bar sitting on the curb and a parade goes by or a character cavalcade or, you know, a sweet little character interaction from someone who wasn't even supposed to be there that day. Um, Mm -hmm. Those little unplanned things help your, just to me, it's what makes your trip. Um, Another thing that I was going to say, we like to have, we were talking about meals earlier. We like to have at least one table service meal per day because it just gives you a chance to rest and relax, especially if you're going in the summertime, get out of the heat, um, maybe go to a character meal. Um, I like to do character meals because that actually saves us time. It frees up time to do rides because we're no longer having to stand in line to meet those characters in the parks. So if you can go to a character meal and meet four characters while you're eating, now you're not having to stand in line to meet those characters during the parks when you could be riding. Amber, can I piggyback on that? Yeah. Yeah. I know people like breakfast and I get that breakfast is probably helpful for younger kids when you're doing character meals, but I personally like to save my table service meals for like lunch or dinner because the least busy time in the parks is always going to be first thing in the morning. till probably like around 11 or so. Mm -hmm. Um, and I recommend that you take advantage of that time to maximize the lower lines. And then when the crowd starts showing up around lunchtime and then the afternoon, you know, then that's maybe when you decide, Hey, I'm going to do my table service meal, get out of the heat, get out of the crowds and kind of relax a little bit. A hundred percent agree. Um, if we're doing a breakfast, we are a character breakfast. We usually do it on our last day when we maybe are not going to the parks anyway that day. And just to have one last hurrah with the characters mm-hmm. before we hit the road. Yep. That's what we do too. All right, and last, I just wanted to say to consider um, scheduling a non-park day to do something like hit the pools, go to Disney Springs, maybe go to one of the mini golf 
courses that they have on property. I know um, ticket holders and pass holders will approach um, this a little differently. My family were annual pass holders because we go three or four times a year to the park. So it's advantageous to us to be annual pass holders. So it's even if we're having a lazy day, we might go to the park for three or four hours in the morning and then come back to the resort pool. Um, ticket holders might not want to do that because if you paid for a park day, you might you want to spend more than three or four hours there. So that's going to be, you know, maybe different depending on your situation. But just that's going back to the leaving room for spontaneity thing. Just remember to rest and relax and, you know, take some time. Don't feel like you have to be rushing every minute of every day. Right now with the reduced hours, I have been recommending to not take the mid-afternoon break um, that I normally do. And so really been pushing for an entire rest day versus saying, you know, leave the parks around lunchtime, go take a rest, go to the pool and then come back in the evening. Kind of hard to do when, you know, outside of holidays, the parks are only, you know, some of the parks are only open until five or six. Right. Um, yeah. So that having a full day, if, if you can afford it, it's, it's really, really beneficial. All right. So hopefully this list will help you and your family to maximize your part time and fun. Um, we could probably go on for days um, with different <laughs> things that we've learned over our various trips. Um, so this may be an ongoing theme. Let us know on our social media uh, what tips and tricks you've learned over the years or ones that you'd like us to discuss the next time we do one of these episodes. Uh, so at our last episode, Rachel covered our trivia. So do you want to give us a refresher? Sure. So it had to do with fast passes. And the question was, what year was fast pass initially, initially introduced at Disney World? And the original fast pass where you had to, you know, run from kiosk to kiosk and get the little paper slips. That okay, don't started... say it yet. I haven't posted a guess. Let me oh, guess really okay. quick. <laughs> um, I'm going to say late 90s. I'm going to say 1995. Well, that's a good one. You know what? It was the same year as the um, first Disney Lego. So it was 1999. <laughs> Seems to be a popular oh, year. Four years off. That was a big year for Disney. <laughs> it was. And then the Disney Fast Pass Plus system was rolled out in 2013. So unfortunately, nobody guessed, but Amber, I'll go ahead and give you the shout out since you made a good attempt. <laughs> <laughs> I miss the paper Fast Passes. There's a little so excitement and stress in that system. So I have mixed feelings. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this week I wanted to give Disneyland a little bit of love. Um, what is the accidental method of pest control that Disney has been using since 1955? They actually discovered it while they were building the park. So if you have any guesses, let us know. Awesome. Do you ladies know this one? I do. Uh, I, have, I do too. Yeah. <laughs> that if this you one, visit, you'll notice you'll know <laughs> i've not been out to disneyland so that's good to know i can't wait to get out there then all right <laughs> i think well, they use this method in world too they do but there are well there's there's differences because of okay the differences between i don't want to give anything away yeah yeah i did almost jump right into that 
<laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Fairy Pod Mothers. We are happy to be your one-stop shop for talk and tips for Disney, Universal, and beyond. Please join us on Facebook and Instagram to keep the conversation going. Amber, Rachel, and Stephanie are travel professionals with Main Street and More Travel, a no-fee Disney earmarked agency. Please reach out to us on Facebook for a free quote, and please rate, review, and tell your friends. We'll see and leave you. a review for Make-A-Wish. Oh, that's right. That's still going on until... Four more days. Four more days, December 31st. <laughs> so get those in before 2021. And we'll see you real soon. Bye, ladies. Bye. Have a good night.